0: Today, I want to invite everyone just to stand with us. Um, We believe that through Jesus, we can um, enter into his presence, into God's presence. And uh, today, let's do that together. In song, and worship him. I was buried into your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. Knew Jesus when I met you. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into Your glorious day. You call my name. Out of the darkness, into Your glorious day. I sing, "This is true for all of us." I need a rest. darkness into your glorious day let's give him an offering this morning tree When all I see is a mountain God you see your mountain And as I walk through the shadows. Be against me, for Jesus, there's nothing impossible. All I see are the ashes, and you see the beauty. cross. And God, you see an empty tomb. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through you an almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power Shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress. You go before us. Nothing can stand. Against stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I fight on my knees, with my heads lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll through The battle belongs to you. it to make me here your love is fierce like a hurricane then I can't escape tell it through the atmosphere your love is fierce The only thing i found Is through it all You've never let me down You don't hold back Relentless and pursue Every turn I come face to face with you It's like a tidal wave Crash it all Rushing in to make me here, Your love is fierce It's like a hurricane That I can't escape Tearing through the atmosphere Your love is fierce Your love is fierce How could I be lost when you have called me found? You chase me down, you seek me out. How could I be lost when you have called me found? You chase me down, and you seek me out. It's like a tidal wave, it's crashing over me. It's rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce, like a hurricane that I can't escape. It's tearing through the atmosphere. Your love is fierce. Your love and your love is the Sacrifice of love. Sending your son to die for us. Though a lot of us may feel unloved, God, you remind us every day. That once was crowned in thorns Is crowned in glory now.
1: Good morning, Living Water. Good to see all of you uh, this morning. Glad that you're here. Glad that you chose to uh, come and uh, worship with us today. Lance said they came back from camp this week. They had a great camp. I know that they had a great camp because they came home with like four less than what they took. Uh, So somehow that's always a a positive thing. But anyway, great week. Uh, We had a great uh, week last Sunday night, a great time together in our cookout. Uh, what many have said was the uh, largest group that we 've had for that cookout, uh, so had a great time last week and we 're going to have a great time this morning studying god 's word. so are you ready today all right i 'm going to ask you that uh, keep uh, Pastor Shane in your prayers. He is recovering from uh, the crud he 's getting better, so uh, hopefully we 'll see him uh, back next week. But he was going to lead worship today. We were going to give uh, Joey a break because Joey was at a children's camp leading worship all week. And so we knew he would come back tired. But he came back ready to go and just jumped right back in and did what he does. And we're so grateful for him uh, to do that. So anyway, open your Bibles if you would. Like Lance said, yeah, give him a hand. So uh, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. We're also going to be looking at just a moment over in Hebrews chapter 11, so if you want to go ahead and uh, turn over there as well and hold your place there, we'll turn there in just a moment. But we started a new series of lessons, actually Pastor Shane started it a couple of weeks ago as we end up with, ended up in 1 Samuel, ended up that study together. Uh, And then last week we looked at Noah and the leadership lessons of Noah. We're looking at different leadership characteristics of different individuals that we see in Scripture uh, through the summertime. And I want to remind you that each one of these individuals that we look at can speak to us and can give us some uh, direction in our life because each one of us are leaders in one way or another. There's somebody that's looking up to us, and so our prayer is that uh, you would get something out of each one of these lessons that would help you in your everyday life. So, in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be looking at an individual by the name of Abraham. I'm sure most of you have heard of Abraham. A reminder, last week we looked at Noah and Noah and the ark, and one thing we noticed, the first point last week, as we looked at Noah, is that great leaders build their lives on the right foundation. And that foundation was built upon God and his truths and upon Jesus Christ. And we will see that through all of these leaders that we look at. But again, they will have other uh, qualities, other things in their life that we can look at and apply to our life. Uh, So who is this man called Abraham? Who was Abraham? Well, Abraham is the most famous man of faith in all of history. More verses of Scripture are given in the Bible to describe and demonstrate his faith than any other individual. Abraham began his life in the city of Ur in what is modern-day Iraq, Ur of the Chaldeans, was not just a wide spot in the desert. Ur of the Chaldeans was a great city. It was a uh, city that was uh, very wealthy. It was a center of civilization. And it was also a worldly and wicked city. And while living in this city, Abraham at that time was known as Abram. He finds a wife whose name was Saraiah, known as Sarah his father Terah brought the family from Ur on a journey to Canaan. However, uh, Terah brought them approximately halfway, and then he settled in Haran. And while they were in Haran, God called Abraham to complete the journey to Canaan. And that's where we will pick up in the story today in, in chapter 12. Now, Abraham was the father of Isaac, someone else who's well-known to us, and the grandfather of Jacob, who would become Israel. So today, as we consider the leadership lessons of Abraham, let's keep this thought in mind. Great leaders are willing to embrace the unknown. Great leaders are willing to embrace the unknown. And I also want to remind us today Again, that leadership lessons that we learn from these individuals can be applied to our life each and every day. So if we think about Abraham and great leaders being willing to step out and face the unknown, I wonder if there's something that's unknown in our life today that God is calling us to. Maybe there's a direction in your life that God is leading you into the unknown. And so remember that great leaders are willing to face the unknown. So let's look today, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, and we will read down through verse 7. It said the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Saraiah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem, at the oak of Morah. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. So Abram, at 75 years old, takes off on a journey. A journey that God had called him to. A journey that God said, I want you to step out and I'm going to take you somewhere. So the first point I want you to get out of this today is this. Simple obedience leads to powerful blessings. Simple obedience leads to powerful blessings. So God tells Abraham, I want you to go. And when you step out and go then I will show you the land that I'm going to give you. So, Abraham, I want you to step out in faith, and I want you to trust me. Now, this is pretty incredible, I think, for Abraham, that God is looking at him, and he says, I've got something great in store for you, but in order for you to experience what I have for you, you need to step out in faith. You need to trust. You need to go. You need to leave what is familiar and you need to go. Now, at this point, I'm thinking, if I'm Abraham, I'm going to have a lot of questions for God, right? Wouldn't you? Are you with me? Yeah, I know you would. Like, first of all, where are we going? How many of you have ever set out on a trip going somewhere, not knowing where your destination is? Now, some of you might do that. and I'm, I'm a very spontaneous person, and I, I don't mind just jumping in the car and going somewhere at last minute. But I really want to know where I'm headed. I want to know where I'm going. So another question that would have been great for Abraham to ask, God, I'm willing to step out. What direction do you want me to go? I mean, God doesn't even give him a direction here. He says, you just go. Well, how do I know which way to go? And so it's a very interesting, very fascinating story that we see about this man of great faith. Kind of reminds me of the story of three pastors that were out fishing in a boat one day. There was a Methodist pastor, there was a Baptist pastor, and there was a Pentecostal pastor. Trouble already in the works right there, right? So they're out there on this lake. They've been fishing for a while. And the Methodist pastor says, I'm going to walk over to shore for a little bit. So he steps out of the boat and he walks on water over to the shore. Well, the Pentecostal pastor's looking and he's just amazed. Wow, that's pretty impressive. The Methodist preacher comes back and the Baptist preacher says, I'm going to go to the shore for a little while. Well, he steps out of the boat and he walks on the water to the shore. And the Pentecostal preacher is just like, this is so incredible. He's like, I don't know how they're doing this, but what I do know is I have more faith than both of these guys put together. So I'm going to step out of the boat and walk to shore. And he steps out of the boat and he immediately sinks. The Methodist preacher and the Baptist preacher turn to look at each other and said, think we should tell him where the rocks are (laughs) you know sometimes we feel like we're stepping out of a boat right we don't know where we're going god we don't know where you're taking us can you imagine with abraham not even having directions just god saying go leave what you're familiar with and go because i'm going to take you to a place that i'm going to show you and it's going to be an incredible place and in that place you're going to receive all kinds of blessings and abraham according to verse stepped out and did as God told him to do. Again, have you ever set out on a journey not knowing where you're going or how long it'll take? And that's exactly what God was telling Abraham to do. But he also told Abraham that with this step of obedience, with this simple step of obedience, there's going to come blessings. And we see that uh, in verses 1, 2, and 3. So I want us to look back, and I want you to notice, first of all, that this blessing includes... Land. In verse 1, he says, He says, Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. So God is telling him, I'm going to show you a great place. There is a land that I'm going to give to you. So that was the first promise. And then the second promise was that I'm going to make you uh, the father of many descendants. He says, beginning in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. There's going to be many descendants that come from you. And again, this is a fascinating part of the story because Abraham and Sarah are old. I mean, Abraham's 75 years old. Sarah would be about 65 years old. And God says there's going to be many descendants that come from you. And you think about that promise that was given at this time of their life and what a great promise uh, that it is. And then the third thing that we see in verse 3 is the blessing of redemption. And he says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is a great promise and a great blessing of redemption. All the earth would be blessed through Abraham. And this promise finds its fulfillment in the new covenant that is to come through Jesus Christ. And that blessing comes Uh, through Christ the son of Abraham and Redeemer who will one day restore everything back to the way God had originally intended and we look forward to that day. But we see these blessings and these are very interesting because this is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. This was a covenant that God was making with Abraham. And it was Abraham, because of your simple obedience, there's great blessings that are going to come. And these great blessings are a promise. Five times in those three verses, God says, I will, I will, I will. God was saying to Abraham, trust me and look what I do. Trust me and I will bless you. There will be great blessings. All because Abraham had a simple, obedient faith. Listen, do you want the blessings of God in your life today? Then trust God and obey him. Trust him with your family like Abraham did and watch what he does in your family. Trust him with your finances like Abraham did and watch what he does with your finances. Trust him with your fame and your future like Abraham did. And watch what God does because simple obedience brings powerful blessings in your life. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, the greatest blessings in my life came because I stepped out in faith and trusted God. God. Great blessings come through simple faith, simple obedience in our life. Listen, I don't know what God is wanting to do in your life. I don't know how God is wanting to bless you in your life. But what I do know is that God blesses those who are faithful and obedient to Him. Secondly, great leaders walk by faith and not by sight. Great leaders walk by faith, not by sight. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to hang out there uh, for a little while. As we look at the story that, uh, of Abraham as we read it in Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll see this beginning in verse 8. He says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as, in, as his inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. Again, Abraham was told by God to go. God said, I'll show you the place when you get there. So Abraham, by faith, steps out. Not by sight, but by faith, he steps out and he follows God. Now listen, don't miss this. Abraham was taking a large step of faith here. We don't want to minimize what this step of faith was. Because you see, God didn't tell Abraham that, hey, I want you to go and you're here at point A. And when you end up at point B, you're going to know that you're there. God could have taken out his trustworthy iPhone with the maps on it and said, here you are. See this point? That's you. And this is where you're going to end up. But he didn't do that. And God didn't break out the Google Earth on the computer and show him, now here's what the terrain is going to be like. There's going to be mountains here that you got to cross. There's going to be valleys here that you got to cross. And and by the way, there's going to be a famine that's going to happen during all this time as well. God did not show him all of that. God just says, I want you to go. He was saying, step out in faith, not by sight. You know, it's easy for us to follow when we can see everything that's ahead of us, right? But that's not always the case. Sometimes if God were to show us exactly what was going to happen in our lives when we stepped out and followed him, we might not follow. Sometimes if God were to show us the mountains that we were going to cross, the valleys that we were going to go through, sometimes if we saw what the terrain was really going to be like, we would step back and say, God, I am very comfortable right where I'm at. I don't need that in my life, and I don't want to follow So I think there's times we ought to be very grateful to God that he expects us to step out by faith and not by sight. There's times that we don't need to see what's ahead of us because if we did, it would scare us to death. But God wants us to step out by faith, trusting him, knowing that the mountains, he is with us. Knowing that in the valleys, he is with us. Knowing that whether we go through the waters and the rain and the floods, no matter what it is, that he is with us. And he wants us to trust him step by step. He wants us to step out in faith. You know, the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It doesn't say that his word is a, uh, a glowing light that lights up the world out in front of us. It says right in front of us, God just wants us to step out and walk by faith, not by sight, trusting him. I wonder today if, if we had this kind of faith that Abraham had that says, yes, God, I will go. God, I'll follow. That's what you said to do. That's what I'm going to do in my life. And I will take step by step, trusting you, knowing that if this is what you're calling me to do, that you're going to take care of anything that I face. And the problems that are there, you're going to handle. The things that may scare me, you're going to be there. The way that I don't know, you're going to show me and you're going to direct me. And I'm going to follow you, not by sight, but by faith. God said, Abraham, go, leave everything you're familiar with and go. And Abraham went. You know, that's not any different in our Christian life today. To walk by faith and to walk not by sight is what God wants from each one of us. To simply trust him and to follow him. Thirdly, great leaders don't live for earthly things, but live for eternal things. Notice what he says after verse 8, beginning in verse 9. It says, By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was looking for something much greater than where he was at. Abraham was looking for something much greater than what he had known. And he was looking for that city that God is building. He is looking into eternity knowing that the things of this world are not what matters. The things of this world are not what's going to last. But it is the things of God that will last for all of eternity. And building for those eternal things. That word look there literally means that he earnestly expected. Abraham was longing for he was expecting the city that had more to offer than Ur could ever offer. Had more to offer than Canaan could ever offer. He understood that even the majestic buildings of Ur would eventually crumble to dust because the things of this world are not what last. I watch so many people today as they build their lives like this is all that there is. This world is all that there is, and so i got to build as much here because that's all that matters in this world. And I want you to understand today that there is nothing wrong with working hard and building things. matter of fact, God wants us to work hard, and he wants us to build, but we're not building for the things that will last here on this earth. He wants us to build for the eternal things that matter. But I see so many people building like this is all that there is, or they're building their lives like somehow what they build here on this earth, they're going to end up taking with them. All the wealth that they build here, they're going to end up taking. Now, there's a couple things that I've learned in my life, and over the years I've done many uh, funeral services, and this is what I've learned. First of all, we're not going to live forever here on this earth. We will live forever in eternity, But our time here on this earth is short. We are here just for a season. So the things that we build on this earth are not going to last forever. But the second thing that I've noticed is I have not seen anybody that has taken with them the earthly treasures that they have built up. The only thing that I've seen them take are the heavenly treasures that will go with us for eternity. But the earthly things stay here. So all the things that we build up here on this earth that are earthly things, they're going to stay here. I've never seen a hearse behind a U-Haul. How many of you have heard that? And then the next thing you know on Facebook, there's a hearse hauling a U-Haul. However, there's nothing in that U-Haul that's going to go with you when you leave this earth. Reminds me of a story. A man who built great wealth here up on this earth. And he told his wife that I'm going to take this with me. Everything that I build up, I'm going to take with me. And his wife would be like, you can't take it with you. You need to enjoy it while you're here on this earth. It's not going to go with you. And he said, no, I'm building it to take with me. And so he made her make a promise to him that when he died, she would take all of his wealth and she would put it in the casket with him because he was convinced it was going with him. And so after he pleaded with her and begged her and made her promise, she finally agreed that all of his wealth would go into the casket with him. He even made her sign a document saying that that's exactly what she would do. So after he died and his body went to the funeral home, she went to the funeral home, took her checkbook out, wrote a check for all the money that he had made and had in his bank account, placed it in the coffin, the lid on the coffin was shut. She fulfilled her promise. That would have been a very scary thing if that check would have come through the bank, wouldn't it? (laughs) But it never did. And you know why it didn't come through the bank? Because you're not going to take it with you. Abraham knew that. He knew that what God was doing was much bigger than what he was. And what God was doing through him was not just for here and now, but he was building for all of eternity. And Abraham had his eyes on that. And it said he was longing for that city. Longing for that city. And I don't know about you, but man, I am longing for that which God has been preparing for those that love him. I am longing for that day where we will be with him for all of eternity. And I can't wait till that day. I think many of us are going to be amazed when we're there and we see somebody that is walking around. We're going, wow, what are you doing here? And they're going to go, I watched you in your life and your example. And I saw how you built. And because of your relationship with the Lord, I decided I wanted that relationship. And I'm here today because of that. What a wonderful day that's going to be. We're building for eternity, investing for eternity, not for the things here and now. And then the fourth thing I want us to see this morning is that in order to receive all that God has, you have got to give all that you have. Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to jump down to verse 17 where the story kind of continues about Abraham. what we're about to read, you can go back to Genesis 22 and read Uh, the whole story there but in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 17 and 19 notice what he says that by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac he received the promises and yet he was offering his one and only son the one whom it had been said your offspring will be called through Isaac He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. So here's Abraham. He has a son, Isaac. The the son of promise that God told him was going to uh, be a blessing. He said, you know, you're going to have all these children. They're going to come through Isaac. There's going to be such a blessing. And God says, now Abraham, you've got Isaac, but I want you to take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice Isaac that meant to kill Isaac and to use him as a sacrifice to God and even though Abraham didn't understand this at this point he knew that he could trust God and it says at the end of this and I don't want you uh, to mention to miss this in verse 19 that he considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead God or Abraham knew that God was going to keep his promise That God was going to come through with his promise. And even if he asked him to sacrifice his one and only son, that if God had him go through with this, that even God could raise him from the dead. He trusted God that much. And he was willing to give all because he had that much faith in God. We know the story that, as it goes on in Abraham takes his son Isaac up to the place where he's going to sacrifice his son and he gets ready to perform the sacrifice that he hears an angel of the Lord and I believe that this was Christ himself that spoke to him and said, don't do it. Sacrifice the ram that is behind you. That's horns have been caught in the thicket. The test was put out there. Abraham fulfilled the test, but God came through with another sacrifice. Now sometimes we wonder, was it really faith knowing that, that what God had promised and that God was going uh, to keep? And yes, it was faith because as he said, he didn't know that he was keep, God was going to keep him from killing his son. But he knew that God was able to raise his son from the dead. I can't imagine that kind of test, but what I, I see in Abraham was Abraham was all in. At this point, Abraham was all there. Abraham was like, yes, God, I will follow you, whatever you ask me to do, because, God, I trust you that much. I have that much faith to know that you're going to keep your promise, and then you're going to come through. It is said that Abraham believed and obeyed God when he didn't know where, when he didn't know when, and now we can say in this passage, even when he didn't know why. But he was willing to obey. Abraham believed God so much that the sacrifice was already made at that point because of his faith and his trust. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says to obey is better than sacrifice. And that is proven in that passage. And to heed than the fat of rams. The Lord is looking for complete surrender. The Lord is looking for complete sacrifice. To be willing to lay down our lives and say, God, my life is not my own. It belongs to you. And I will follow and I will obey and I will trust no matter what. Then the last thing I want you to see this morning is this. God uses imperfect people to accomplish great things. Turn back to Genesis chapter 12. God uses imperfect people to accomplish great things. It's something you hear around here a lot because we are all imperfect people that God chooses to use. But when we look at Abraham, it's easy for us to see a man of great faith. Matter of fact, as I mentioned, there's more scriptures written about his faith than anyone else's. There's a lot of leadership books that are written Because of the life of Abraham and the example that he led. So it's easy for us to look at and say, man, this is a great guy. He had it all together. He was a perfect man. But the reality is, no, he wasn't. And we see that in Scripture. And one thing I love about Scripture is it doesn't try to hide the weaknesses and the faults of those that are there. And through Scripture, we see the weakness and the faults of Abraham and his wife, Sarah, along this journey. So in verses 10 through 20, I'm not going to read all of them today for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to go home and read these verses and continue to read uh, through Genesis 22 as you'll see uh, more of what I'm getting ready to talk about. But it's a very interesting part of the story. We see that Abraham had some faults and failures in his life. They were getting ready to go into Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And as they were getting ready to go into Egypt, I don't know if it was fear. Well, I do know it was fear and other things that were going through Abraham's mind. He began to worry because of his beautiful wife, Sarah, that when the Egyptians saw her, that they would kill him so that they could have her. So he's talking to Sarah before they go into Egypt and said, here's what I need you to do so that my life will be spared. I need you to say that you are my sister and not my wife. And they go into Egypt, and that's exactly what happens. When they're questioned, she says that she is his sister. So Abraham is let go to live. Wife is taken captive. Again, go on and read the story. It's very interesting how all this plays out. But Abraham is now known in my book as a liar. Would you agree? He created a lie. And said, here's what we need to do. And he brought his wife, Sarah, into the lie with him. I also find that interesting. Have you ever noticed how when a lie comes out, it is never just involving one person? There's always other people that are drug into the lie with them. The story gets bigger and all that. But here's the lie. And Sarah follows through with the lie. And there's consequences to that in their life. As you go on and read the story, you'll see what the consequences were. But if you continue on in chapter 16, we see as the story continues that Sarah is not pregnant yet. And God has promised that Abraham would be the father of many nations. But it's not happening. They're older and God hasn't fulfilled that promise. And so at this point, they begin to doubt. And they think, okay, God, where are you? I mean, was there another plan? Did we miss the plan? And so Sarah tells uh, Abraham, he said, Take my slave Hagar and have a child with Hagar. And that's exactly what happens. And after Abraham has a child with Hagar, then Sarah gets upset with Hagar and she begins to treat Hagar very badly. And that, so badly that Hagar ends up leaving. They took matters into their own hand. And because of that, there was issues that came. There were problems that came. Issues because they took matters into their own hand. What happened to this one who was willing to step out in complete faith and trust God, not knowing where he was going? You see, God had promised protection, but Abraham became afraid and sinned against God. God had promised a child, but it did not happen in their time, so they took matters into their own hands. I find this one interesting because how many times in our lives when God doesn't act the way that we think he's going to in the time that we think he should, That we end up taking matters into our own hands and we end up creating a mess. Is that just me? We do that. And that's exactly what they did. But this is a good reminder to us that God's timing is always perfect. Whether it lines up with our timing or not. Would you agree with that? God's timing is always perfect. And we can trust him. And Abraham could have trusted him. And Sarah could have trusted him. And there are still consequences today because they took matters into their own hands. But if you ever wonder if God really uses imperfect people, look at the life of Abraham. And you will see that God uses imperfect people. I hear all the time, I've heard it for 30 plus years in ministry of people saying, God can't use me because of my past. And I understand that. Oh, I completely understand that. As a matter of fact, there have been times in my life where I've said the exact same thing. God, because of my past, there is absolutely no way that you can use me. But that is a lie. That is a lie straight from Satan who wants to keep you down because God can use you even with your past. But here's the great thing with God. That when He looks at us through His eyes of grace, He doesn't see the mistakes of the past. He sees the potential of the future. When he looks at us with his eyes of grace, he doesn't see the failures that we constantly remind ourselves of, but he sees the future and what is to come. And he will use us even with our failures and all. So here's what's encouraging to me. God called Abraham out and he said, because of your little faith, you're stepping out in obedience, I'm going to bless you. And even though Abraham messed up, even though Sarah messed up, along the way, God's hand never came off of them. There were consequences to their actions. But God never withdrew His hand from them. And God fulfilled exactly what He said He was going to do. And even in our lives today, in the way that God wants to use us, even when we mess up, God does not pull His hand from us. He loves us. And He cares for us. And He has a great plan. And He wants us just to step out in obedience and follow Him. Do we trust Him today? Do we trust Him enough to say, God, with little faith... I trust you and I'm going to step out in obedience and I'm going to place my life in your hands knowing that my life in your hands is a whole lot better than my life in my hands. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the challenge that comes through your word. God, also thank you for the encouragement that comes through your word. God, I thank you for your wonderful love for us and that you have a plan for each and every one of us. And God, I thank you today that you can take us messed up people and and broken people and things with faults and failures in our lives, but God, you can take that and you don't let that hinder your love for us or your call upon our life, that God, you still work in and through us. God, I thank you most of all that you have called us to be a part of your family. And God, by faith... We can follow you. By faith, our lives can be in your hands. And God, we know that our life in your hand is so much better than life in our own hands. God, today, I pray that you would take your word and you would just speak to each one of our hearts individually. God, you know us better than, what, than we know ourselves. God, you know what we need to hear through this message today. And God, I pray that we would be open to receive from you what you have for us. And that whatever way you lead us today, we would just take that small step of faith and we would trust you and we would follow you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.